Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Yes, please continue to support the PHR apparel situation. All of the things that are going on in Philadelphia, that is for sure. Shout out to my brother, Barry Jordan. I continue to pray for you and the Jordan Foundation for real. My, my heart is heavy thinking about everything that you're going through. That is for sure. Everybody continue to you know, say good things and think good things and pray for the family of Barry and others and um condolences are definitely welcome. You know, every every situation is welcome for that matter. But uh I don't wanna be too somber even though I do have that emotion in me. Uh, I got my brother with me, like I said, Mr. Harvey, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? 
I'm doing all right. Same, uh, I echo your sentiments. Prayers up for um, Mr. Jordan and the Jordan Foundation, everybody there. And uh, But, man, it's always a, a pleasure to chop it up with you on uh, Sunday mornings. Uh, let's, let's get the, uh, get the fire of this girl. I don't know if I should go heavy or should I go light, but I definitely have to go light before I start going heavy. So first things first, in the craziness of the month of March, and I didn't think about this time of the month and when things occurred. So this weekend is when everybody's hoping, or not even just hoping, just wanting to see how this thing goes down. Between two states, one state that everybody loves, and the other state, you know, particularly in one specific sport. But even though one one sport is starting to make a name for itself in the state as well. But this is the state of Wisconsin and the state of New York. And what will happen? We have a day left before everything starts getting even crazier in the month of March to see if Aaron Rodgers makes a move from Wisconsin to at least New York or stays there in Wisconsin, or goes elsewhere, but the Jets are basically all in, ready to bring Rodgers in. Um, Mike, this this is something that I'm not going to lie. I'm ready to set this off. I am. Um, The crazy part about this is I was here talking junk and saying, Rodgers always do this every year. He do this. You know, hold your feet to the fire and wait till he gets to the boat. Like, "Mm hmm. June, July, be like, I'm coming back. Get ready for camp. Start throwing the ball around the line. It's still him. He's still a threat. Regardless of how bad things went last year, still Rodgers. Still got to worry about him while he's on the field. The Jets are all in on this situation, basically trying to bring him into New York. Everything is on the table for Rodgers. If Rodgers wants to go, stay, go somewhere else, or retire is the question mark right now. I'm at at the edge of my seat right now. I, I, I can't lie. March is like Sports Easter, you know, like like your hype, you know, you want to open up the the plastic eggs and see what's in there, if it's chocolate or whatever you may get. You know, I'm just trying to be a kid about the situation. But this is serious matters right here. Um, and personally, I got to try to throw my personal in here. You all know that I'm a Detroit Lion diehard. I've been watching Rodgers play against us two times a year since at least 2007. At least, unless he missed it by injury or somebody else's injury, so on and so forth. This dude has been a terror in front of us. So we finally started to turn the tide somewhat in Detroit to get him, you know, to look beatable. Like like he wasn't just totally invincible to us. Now the time has come that he may depart and we could breathe a little better. Or does he stick around and keep that legacy in Green Bay? Now, the interesting part about this point in time is just a few years ago, Tom Brady did the same exact thing to come back to Tampa Bay to play. It was right here on the March Madness weekend, right before everything set off, and this is when Brady made his decision to stay calm, so on and so forth. How, like, deja vu-ish, if it's a word, how – how particular is this situation? But this is a frenzy right now, and I can't wait to, like, put this on the plate, Mike. So let me know how you feel about the Aaron Rodgers dilemma between the Packers, Jets, and everywhere else in the mindset of the crazy world of Aaron Rodgers. Well, it makes sense for this to start to sort of hopefully come to a head by the 15th because, you know, that's when everybody's got to be under their salary caps and everything, right? So 
hopefully over these next couple of days. So looking at it from the Packers franchise, like from their standpoint, I think it's time if they can work out something, I think it's time to move on and, and at least see what you have in Jordan Love just because there's a poison pill in this contract. You know, like if, if Aaron Rodgers stayed, it's going to cost them 50-plus million or something crazy uh, this year. So I think for the Packers franchise, it might be best if Rodgers goes somewhere else. Um, for the Jets, I'm not real sure. I think it depends on what version you get. I know that he is definitely an upgrade at the quarterback position from anything they were running out there last season, right? And this team has a lot of good young parts, but what is the cost of this trade? And is he willing to come in and put the time in with those young receivers, Garrett Wilson and those guys, you know, to help them kind of develop? Because that was a knock on him in Green Bay this past year. And they missed the playoffs. They can miss and they can miss the playoffs without it, and, and and still try to rebuild that roster. But uh, you know, I, I do hope something comes to a head here in the next couple of days. I don't want to see it dragged out. You know, and he made the comment. You know, Brett Favre used to drag this out every year until May or June, and he says he's not going to do that the same way Brett did back in the day. Um, but at the end of the day, I, this is probably a. Spe- this is probably better for both franchises if Aaron Rodgers takes his talent to the Big Apple, to be honest with you, I think. But it's going to be interesting to see. Like you said, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat just waiting to see how it turns out. Is it really good for the Jets? That is my question. This is, this is where I right. disagree with you. I don't I don't agree with it. Um the reason why I say it is Rogers this December second will be forty years old. Yes, he is an awesome quarterback. This guy is a multiple time winning MVP. But you're getting him at forty. Let's just say he plays three years. Right? Let's give him a three year window. If he plays outside of three years, then what? Like what 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 does it look like for him? So I, I don't think he has that much up in the tank if he's talking about retiring now. Like, is he just retired? Like, is he playing just to, like, fill the the bank account? Like, to put some money on the black card? Like, is that all he's playing for? Because, obviously, the Jets will get better. But are they a Super Bowl contending team like now? Are they going to win the AFC now? I think they'll be a name to worry about, but they are not winning the AFC East. I don't think this puts them ahead of Buffalo after everything that Buffalo's been in front of. Buffalo's been losing at the doorstep, at the doorstep, or getting to the playoffs and something crazy happens. It's always something in front of Buffalo. Buffalo has to overcome this hump with all of the talent that they have there in the NFC East. You still have a hungry Joe Burrow that, whether we like him in the Super Bowl, whether we like him in the AFC Championship game, he's falling short somewhere, one way or another. His, you know, task or chip on his shoulder is still in front of him as well. So, there is a lot of frenzy in front of him in front with younger quarterbacks that this is a young man's game. Rodgers will come right. there. Let's just say he's not successful this year. In a fall short, Rodgers could retire. You're back in the same situation in 365 mm-hmm. days. That, that, that does not make sense to me right now for the Jets. The Packers, yes. The crazy part about this is, in looking at Aaron Rodgers, like, I'm almost in, like, that shameful situation. Aaron Rodgers, you look like Brett Favre in 2007. That's a you fact. At odds with the, you at odds with the Green Bay Packers again 
with a Hall of Fame quarterback with so much that you've done in your career, bringing people to their knees and winning games, so on and so forth. Now that you kind of look older, I don't want to say bad because you're still dangerous, you're about to go to the Jets and be on the same train that he was on. And if it don't work out with the Jets, you're going to go to Minnesota and then go somewhere else and then retire? Like, is this is this what this looks like, Aaron Rodgers? Are we really deja vu-ish, like I said? Like, we've seen this story before? Do not do this. Like, like, and this ain't even, like, personal. This is, this is on another level for me with the Jets. It's like, Y'all got a young, y'all got two young quarterbacks there. Y'all can go into this draft and pick up a quarterback. Like they probably should be available to the Jets. They can be right, but which I doubt they will. Which they probably should go after them because for the past, I don't know, let's just say ten within ten years, they've been getting quarterbacks. Um, McSorley, uh, Hacken, all all of these guys that came through the Jets doors and they didn't work out and they picked yeah. them elsewhere. You still don't have the quarterback there in your cavalry. So you're going to go get Aaron Rodgers to figure this out in a year. If it doesn't work, he's going to probably retire. And he, he's dealing with young receivers. You see how you look with Christian Watson and uh, Lazard, even though Lazard's been on the team for a couple of years, but they were still young within his mindset. So, and he's going to try yeah. to be the guy in that lap of him. And he's the new guy on the campus. So, uh, that could be a lot of frenzy, a lot of fray. I, I don't know if the Jets are ready while they all got young mindsets. Of course, they would want a Hall of Fame quarterback and um, Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think this is a good move at all. I, I think that they need to leave this alone and try to figure this out elsewhere instead of doing this on the fly to try to appease the Jets fans to get Rodgers here just because of namesake. I, I don't think that they're a threat to get to the Super Bowl, but everybody says that they're a Super Bowl contender. I think they're a playoff contender. I think the Jets can get to the playoffs with him, but to win the Super Bowl, no, and that is the objective right now. So the Jets have to think about this because this could be a one-year-in-a-bottle situation for the New York Jets. And let's not forget, let's not forget, it's not like even when he's had good rosters, Aaron Rodgers has, uh, I don't want to say choked, but I'll say has come up short uh, in the playoffs on multiple, multiple occasions. And that's why I say it really looks, it really also matters what the price tag is. Because I do worry about whether or not he's willing to put the time in with the young guys. To me, like, if I'm looking at it and I'm the Jets, okay, if there's not a guy you feel like is going to be available when your draft pick comes up, because they are picking a little bit later than they have been in, in the most recent drafts, to me, if you feel like you need a veteran guy, uh, go get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that that could come in and at least be a steady hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, because then you're also not giving up any draft capital. Um, you're not doing anything that's really like mortgaging your future on the back of a 40-year-old player. Like, to me, I, I feel like it, it's real short-sighted to say that it does improve them at the quarterback position. But like you said, depending on the cost, what it takes for you to be able to to make it happen. Um, and then also, like, like you said too, if if you're right, if you make the playoffs and then he's gone in 365 days, or you're a little bit short, then you're still picking towards the middle of the first round. You got the same problem that you have now, right? Because you almost have to pick next year. We're gonna have a, uh, another good crop of quarterbacks coming out, but you almost gonna have to have a top five, top ten pick in order to get one. And so, 
if that price is too high and you're giving up multiple first round picks or something, then I definitely I would not do that if I were the Jets if that were the if that were the price of it. And so from what I heard, I think it's around sixty this year. Like uh he he soaked up sixty mil for the Jets, so it's like they may have the money potential to do things, but it's like how much wiggle room do they have after they make it happen? Like so those are all the things that I'm thinking about. But the one thing that has me like stern on the situation is the longevity of Aaron Rodgers right now. This dude just burnt uh, 16 years in Green Bay? Is he? 15, 16, let's say that? And he's going to come there for what? Five years? You think he's giving you five years? You want a 44, 45-year-old Rodgers? Like, I don't know if he'll get to five more years, like, to be Brady. Like, yes, he does have the potential. He's a mobile quarterback. He can make a lot of plays everywhere on the field. But do you think you're getting him? Like, you don't think that he will slow down? Like that potential kid. I think two years tops, good good play. That's the one thing that I am thinking about. Like if, if Rodgers can give them everything that he's given the city of Green Bay out there in Wisconsin. And I just I if I was them, I wouldn't mess around with it. Plus, looking at Green Bay's side of the situation, oh, we're ready to go with Jordan Love. Oh, we're ready to go with Jordan Love. I'm gonna be the Grinch right now. No you're not. No you're not. You'd have been pulled the pl- plug on Rodgers if he was doing this to you every year. Like you've done this with every other player in the NFL that came through there and just didn't work out, just didn't fit. Just, they'd have got rid of him and put Jordan Love in there, so on and so forth. That game that Jordan Love played up against Kansas City and Devontae Adams was playing and he was throwing passes to Devontae and they just were an instinct. Devontae was looking at him like he's terrible. And not to say that he's terrible now. Like I, I feel like he's learned more of the game, so on and so forth. The Packers are not ready to start losing and having to rebuild right now. At least Rodgers is making this look somewhat palatable while they are in disarray, while they've lost a good amount of pieces. Randall Cobb is aged. Uh, he got, you know, they got rid of Driver. They got rid of Jennings. They got rid of Jordy Nelson. They got rid of, you know, enter this name here, part of his receiving core. And the one that's the stud is the running back. It's not even a passing game. Aaron Jones is the one that they have to worry about at the end of the day. So that's the one thing that I'm concerned about with the Jets at this point in time. Anything else, Mike? But to me. To me, what I would say is I hope I hope that Green Bay has to take this medicine. And, and I say that because um, they let Aaron Rodgers kind of hold them hostage. He tried to say he didn't want that to come out. He knew that was coming out a few years ago, a couple years ago, like on the eve of the draft. We talked about this a long time ago. And then what? What made you happy? Getting Randall Cobb. And then you come back uh, the next year. And after Adams leaves, rework the contract, and the Packers were willing to uh, let him uh, dictate the terms of this type of contract that's really going to cause them a, a, a severe uh, cap hit this season. Um, it was not very smart on behalf of, like, the Packers GM and the Packers personnel. And so there's part of me that just wants the Packers to have to swallow this pill and take this medicine. So take keep Aaron Rodgers on this roster have to eat the 50 60 million whatever crazy amount it is you're gonna to have to release some guys that you're not comfortable releasing and good luck trying to build a, a good enough team to win around him and good luck getting him to really work with those guys we saw what happened last year you missed the playoffs maybe you ought to miss it again and this is what happened if you uh if, if you let a guy really dictate the terms and you don't make sure that you sign him to a smart contract you could have still given him a good bit of money without uh, constructing this contract in such a way that it was really going to hamstring your roster. 
now, quick question is, uh, do you think that they are the best team in the AFC East right now with the move? Um, if You mean if Rodgers goes to the Jets, are they the best team in the AFC East? Is that your question? Yes. Uh, no, I don't, only because – now, what I will say is this. If, you know, there's been talk about Diggs wanting out of Buffalo – if that happens, that becomes really, really interesting. Uh, when you only have you got still Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox, but not having Diggs in that passing game will make a huge difference. And then what I want to see is what if Buffalo really does anything to address the running back situation. Um, I, to me, there's still a whole lot to be decided. I love you know what Miami has on the outside, but. We don't know if Tua can stay healthy, even though they picked up the fifth year of that of that contract. So, but we also know that we got some cuts coming over the next couple of days, right? And because people got to make sure they get under the cap and all that. So I think it's still to be decided. But even if he goes to the Jets, they're not the clear cut best team in that division. To me, Buffalo's wanted enough times that even with some changes on that roster, you somebody got to show me they can beat them. But the Jets did end up beating them last year. So that, that is a team that has scared them with the quarterback that they did have. But I want to see if, if Rodgers can make that camaraderie happen with the young guns that they do have as a receiving core and if that uh, the running back core that he has there as well, if these guys can stay healthy too, because that's big as well. Um, another thing is, the one thing I'm worried about with the Dolphins is, can they hold it together with Tua, right? And can they actually protect him? Because that's the one thing I'm worried about. I don't want Tua to be in the same situation that Brian Westbrook was, where they basically said, if you suffer another concussion, you're basically going to have your brain is going to be like mush, and you won't be able to perform anymore or be as good as you want to be throughout the rest of your your life. You know, so that's one thing I'm worried about with Miami. Will they go all in on Tua? They said that they're picking up the option to let them play this upcoming season, but me personally, I don't think it's safe. I, I <laughs> I want them to find out a, like a plan to like keep him fed for at least the next three to five years and let him retire because uh, it was scary right. to see him on the field like that. And um, it, it's only going to get worse. It's not like Miami fixed all their holes up front and they got a stout offensive line. They're going to stop blitzing, so on and so forth. Somebody's going to sack him. It's, the back of his head is going to hit the ground again. One way or another, it's going to happen again. It's not like um, these defenses are going to hold up and play flag football and rip a flag off of them. If, if I were to be – the Grinch for real, like like I was saying before. If I was a defensive coordinator, I would send the Wolves after Tua and show me that you are ready to handle the situation. Those those are the things that I think about with at least the Dolphins at this point in time. You agree? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And if I'm the Dolphins, uh, so this is supposed to be a really good draft for offensive linemen. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm trying to fix that line between that draft and free agency. If this is a guy that you want to be your franchise quarterback, I think his career is already going to be shortened, even if he does stay upright over the next couple of seasons. I think his career is already going to be shortened because of the hits that he's taken. Um, but I would do everything that I can to solidify things in front of him. You've given him weapons on the outside now. You've given him Tariq Hill. He's got Jalen Waddle. So you got weapons on the outside. So to me now, the next step is you've got to solidify that line. I think they got a, I think they got a pretty solid defense, uh, but you got to solidify that line and you got to protect this guy. And if you're the Dolphins, 
you got to have a plan in place behind him too, right? Because when he went down, who was playing? Skyler Thompson or somebody last year? I'm not even sure where he played college ball. So you got to have something behind him if you're the Dolphins and you really want to contend in this division because um, I feel like it's not a matter of if Tua is going to get hurt again. It's just a matter of when. Uh, and I hate it because, and we talked about this before, but at the end of the day, like, you know, football matters, but life matters more, right? You want to be able to play with your kids and hopefully grandkids one day and all this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, listen, I and if I'm Tua and I'm in Tua's corner or uh, his family or represent, representation or whatever, I'm making sure that he's being checked out by the best specialists that money can buy and making sure that we are not already seeing any uh, long-term effects from all these concussions and things. Cause like you said, it was really tough seeing him on the field and then they put him back out there right after he, you know what I'm saying? Like he was put back out there when he shouldn't have been. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really concerned more about the young man's, you know, lifestyle, even life after football right now, even more than I am what he does on the field. Yeah, as much as I like to, I don't think it'll pan out for him, and I, I want the best for him, like longevity-wise, like deliver a good life. A lot of people have been telling me, yo, you want to be able to remember this, remember your kids, remember this. It's like, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. If, if he has trauma so bad that he couldn't get his, you know, his extremities together, and we all seen that on national TV, this this is a scare. And it's something that I'm shaking my head at the uh, Dolphins organization while he was laying there and um. They're bringing him back to basically to prove what? I don't think the Dolphins are contending for a Super Bowl unless you feel that type of way. They do have the threats outside, like you said, in Waddle and Hill, but they need that protection up front so they could be even more deadlier. And they need a running game. They don't have a running game, so they have to focus on multiple areas to make the Dolphins stout. The one thing that I am concerned about are the Patriots. The Patriots are somewhat lost in this situation. And the number two coach age-wise, is Belichick. Belichick will be 71 this year, if I'm not mistaken. How much time is in the hourglass for him? So that's the one thing I'm thinking about right now. And he's just to make that storm happen here. But one more before we get away from at least this football talk. Your thoughts on the Packers, if Rodgers leaves, do you think they fall to the bottom of the division? Are they in the middle of the division? Or do they keep a chip on their shoulder and stay somewhat near the top of the division, even though they did fall to third in the division last year? I think they finished third at best. Listen, Chicago got a haul um, for that number one overall draft pick. Uh, they, you know, they're, they're still – they fell to like eighth or ninth, whatever it is, this year. Uh, they got an extra second rounder, and they got, you know, a couple extra picks next year. But there's a lot of work to be done with the Bears. I think that was a smart move for them to play back. Uh, and I'm I'm just not sure – that Chicago has done enough yet um, to surpass Green Bay in that division. Um, so I, I think that Green Bay is probably without Aaron Rodgers, probably still a third place team in that division, but definitely uh, them and Chicago are both going to, you know, have to crane their necks to look up at Detroit and Minnesota. And the interesting thing about what they did with, uh, and we can fly right into that situation um, the Panthers moving up to get the pick. They give up D.J. Moore. That actually makes it interesting. I do want to see what Claypool can do 
Mooney and Moore there. At least they have somewhat of a receiving core now in Chicago. Even though Claypool did play half of the season there, he didn't really make too much noise, but this guy's still a big-time player and threat, but he hasn't really shown it since he was in Pittsburgh and now coming to Chicago as well. That running game is going to have to stay as good as it is, so that's what kind of carries them. But the offensive line has its issues. They're going to be, they're going to have to be able to block to make the Bears potent with the receiver core that they do have. Their defense is somewhat stout. I feel like they could fix their defense a little better to be as strong, but you can tell that the Bears are trying to make the strides to get back in the conversation in the NFC North. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears have a better season than the Packers, and that is including the situation if Jordan Love is the quarterback. I think Jordan Love at the helm drops the Packers to fourth in the division. I feel like they will have to take their lumps and learn on the fly how to deal with everybody that's dealt with this situation, uh, I'd say, since about 1991, 92, right. around when the Magic Man was the quarterback in front of the and watching Paul punch everybody in the face, and then once Paul comes up, Robert is punching everybody in the face. Everybody can't wait to beat Debo up. Everybody can't wait to watch Green Bay be weak. And if Rodgers leaves, I don't think Jordan Love carries the torch the way that the transition happened between Favre and Rodgers. I know that the division cannot wait till that happens. I think Green Bay will be at the bottom of the division if Aaron Rodgers goes. And, of course, I could be wrong, but this is the way that I see it. That offensive line has an issue. They got to fix that up front. They're losing a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the receiver that they have between Dobbs, Watson, and Lazar, they're good receivers. I'm not going to downplay them at all. But I feel like they need, you know, more time with Rodgers. I feel like they did not get to learn too much. Dobbs got hurt. Christian Watson had to, they had to find trust with him later into the season, and they started seeing how good he was. But this is all – that was all like patchwork to make that season work, and they still felt under 500 while that was on the fly. They're going to go into that season next year with Jordan Love, and Jordan Love has all the answers right now. I – I don't know, especially while the entire division got better. Everybody got better. The Lions got better last year. The Vikings won a division, and I think the big question mark in front of the, the Vikings is, is how that defense can turn things around and if Kirk Cousins is ready to answer the bell. And the Bears, you just see what they did within this week of trying to keep Fields and bring in DJ Moore so Fields can prove that he can throw the ball and um, have to work on the other issues like offensive line and, and defense. And that's, I think that's more of a shore-up situation for the Bears than what the Packers are looking at. So in a nutshell, I feel like the Packers are the ones that are in trouble and looking at the barrel of the gun instead of being the one holding the gun, Yosemite Sam. Um, do you agree? No, I mean, I agree with you. The only thing that I would say is if they get Aaron Rodgers out of there, and they're able to completely clear that money off. That may allow them to go wild in free agency. And or, you know, depending on what they get draft wise and whatever else to try to improve that roster. So I, I think you could uh I, I could see a scenario where they do finish in the bottom of the division between third and four. And I definitely agree with you on uh, uh Claypool maybe bringing in a guy like DJ Moore who was a number one option in Carolina. Uh, with Moody there too, maybe that takes some attention away. So maybe Claypool can eat a little bit more at the wide receiver position. Uh, but I, I wonder 
part of me that still wonders if Claypool's best days are behind him. But I definitely agree that, uh, you know, the Bears have to fix that line a little bit. They're very good run blockers. They're not good pass blockers. Um, So they definitely have to fix that line a little bit. And those extra picks uh, should help them address some needs uh, on both sides of the ball for them. So I I could definitely see it happening either way. But I would be shocked if either one of those teams um, could get past you know, third. I, I feel like they're definitely going to be the bottom two teams in the NFC North. And I, I, I just got to bother you. I disagree with you uh, with the Green Bay situation. If Green Bay loses Aaron Rodgers, they can move money and get free agents there. What free agent wants to go to Wisconsin and Rodgers is not there? What is pulling them there? Jordan Love? Christian Watson? No, money. All money. of the world? If they can get our, some guys chasing I mean, money. I'm thinking baseball. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. That, that might be the only name that I can think of that could pull them there to be like, okay, let's go to war with this running back because, he, to me, he's one of the top five running backs in the league. Other than that, I don't I don't see a, a, a situation where Green Bay is raising hell for somebody to come there. And I agree with you on that one. Money will get them there. But are you going to throw what, – what free agents come in there that you're getting big money to? What are you going to go get Stafford? Like what? We who are you going to bring in there to soak up all of this money? Like that's that's what I want to know where you throw in the money that you stay money right now. So now I want to see who would be that guy because it's going to have to probably be the quarterback. You got to run the back. Are you going to bring a receiver? You got a receiver core. You're stout. Are you going to work on a defense? Are you working on the offensive line? Are you going to throw somebody on the offensive line a whole bunch of money? I don't see a lot of free agents clamoring to come there unless Aaron Rodgers was there. If Aaron Rodgers is there, then you will see a free agent come there. He's not there. I don't think people are going crazy to play for Green Bay no more. I don't. I I beg to differ. I don't think that's happening. So they have to take their lumps right now. This is to me personally as a fan, I love this, but analytically, I I'm in a frenzy. Like I really I really want to see how Green Bay you know handles passing the torch from Rodgers if Rodgers leaves. If Rodgers stays, and then we it's like damn it, like. I'm going to slap my forehead and, like, I got to deal with this guy again. You know, like, like and that's the frustrating part because every time we play him, I'm nervous. Like, can we beat him? And, and knowing his record against the Lions has been stellar. So, but they, they got him and figured him out. So, I don't know. Your your thoughts before we do get away from him? No, I'm just looking around the league. Like, you know, the, the Chiefs, if they can't work out a deal, might end up releasing Orlando Brown. I know they're going to release Frank Clark. Um you know, there, there has been talk of other guys that are going to be released by certain teams. So if it's a money grab and Green Bay can offer you more money than anybody else, there may be a free agent or two either on that offensive line or on the defensive side of the ball that says, you know what, bump this, I don't really care. It, you know, it would be nice to win, but uh, they're offering me more money than anybody else is, and so I can set my family up or whatever. Uh, I mean, I think that 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 might be that might be the only that might bring somebody in per se. Uh, but at the same time, if it comes down to Green Bay and somebody else, and the money's close, I don't think that they're that they're going to get what they. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think Green Bay is going to get somebody if it if it comes close, right? If you got another team is much closer to winning because the the only appeal uh, to get a free agent would be, you know, they're offering me way more money than anybody else, so I'm going to go. 
the, the sunny stuff, Sports City. We didn't even get to the frenzy that I can't wait to get to. Uh, the caller number is 929-477-2759. We got you guys locked and loaded for however I want you, as <laughs> long I want you here. I just know how crazy this situation is right now, knowing that, you know, looking at what the Packers are looking at right now, listening to the GM basically saying they want Rodgers to stay, but they want to end the frenzy. They kind of said they, they've been held to the fire too long. I wonder if Rodgers do say, you know what, I want to stay in Green Bay. What that raucous would that cause while he's with the Packers? Like, if they wanted to get rid of you to, you know, stop the, you know, the question that they got to answer, knowing they got to deal with the media every day, knowing that that community is not like that. Like, being out of Wisconsin, like, that's your normal suburban home area where not too much is happening up there. You know, like, unless you lived out there and know how the local atmosphere is, Green Bay's not like that. But knowing that this is a Cali guy, lives on the edge, this dude locked himself in solitary confinement for four days to make the decision, and he still hasn't made the decision. If this dude is not a show, if this dude don't go on Pat McAfee and make something happen on his show, it's like, what else can happen now? What else can happen now? Aaron Rodgers, i got to give you a ton of credit. You have the power to make everybody wait for you, kind of like LeBron did. December babies, because I'm one too. So that's that's the crazy part, man. He's a December guy. LeBron is a December guy. We're waiting on a decision from him, like we waited in 2010 with LeBron. Now it's the decision of 2023 with Aaron Rodgers. I, I I can't make this stuff up. This is like a movie. Um, Mike, we are at the frenzy of all frenzies. They call this anger, <laughs> A.K.A. madness. And um, I tell you. I, I just don't know how to say it. Like, why do these buzzer beaters happen? Nobody wants to say die. But first and foremost, I'm going to get a little personal. In the month of March, and I went from mad to happy as ever, and I can't believe that I'm saying this personally. The Georgetown Hoyas have now fired Patrick Ewing. I have been screaming for this for the past three seasons, and I get it. I know that they wanted to kind of save face because he has a legacy there. He's probably the face of that university as a college student and player. But for them to keep him there and for how bad he was, he had a losing streak like no other within the conference and a team that used to be a powerhouse in the Big East. He made it look like a laughing stock, and I was furious at watching this. Your thoughts on the Georgetown Hoyas parting ways with Patrick Ewing? Uh, you're right. It's past time. I understand why they brought him in. You know, Georgetown alum, whatever they thought, maybe they could get the recruits and whatnot, uh, and they would be able to, you know, return to elite status. But, listen, he's not John Thompson. Uh, this is not the same. You know, that's not. you might have been a, uh, a player of his, but you're not that same caliber of coach. Uh, this has been five years now, and to your point, uh, Georgetown has not really been relevant in college basketball uh, for the majority of the time that he's been there. You know, a couple of years ago, they had the run where, as a low seed, they went all the way through the Big East tournament and won it and got into the tournament, and that probably bought him some extra time. Uh, but I just feel like this is a move that needed to be made uh, for the long-term help of Georgetown. Georgetown is supposed to be there, right? Like, 
to me, you know, growing up as a kid and even into my teenage years and much older, uh, you just knew Georgetown was going to be in the bracket somewhere uh, come March Madness. And so for them to have fallen to this point um, and for them to have not really been, you know, extremely competitive in the in the Big East anymore, uh, listen, you got to make a change. Uh, you know, I, I respect Patrick Ewing as a player, loved watching him play with the Knicks, respected all, all that he's given to the game. And it's like, listen, man, you gave it a good try, uh, but you're just not that guy. And so, you know, I wish him all the success in whatever he does next, but it was time for him to go as the head coach of the Hoyas. It bothers me because um, <clears throat> I felt good once they got Mac McClung in there. Mac McClung was like the YouTube sensation. I felt like he was going to start trying to bring more of the, let's <clears throat> shall I say, Caucasian American athlete to come in there and play ball if they had talent. I wanted to kind of see that turnover happen. And um, knowing from what John Thompson Jr. started to what Craig Asherick had to John Thompson the third, <clears throat> it's kind of like that culture was passed down to keep it kind of specific to keep the culture there. And, uh, I don't want to say to have to see it change, but you got to bring other athletes in there to mix it up. And um, with Georgetown trying to stay with the the mantra that they had and knowing that Patrick Ewing is nowhere near the coach of John Thompson Jr. or John Thompson III, it was bad to watch him turn this university into mush. Georgetown going to have to do a lot of rebuilding, let alone that this guy's a dream team, or let alone that this guy's been on multiple sidelines within the NBA as an assistant coach wondering why none of the teams in the NBA wanted to pick him up as a head coach at all. And for him to be a head coach in Georgetown and not do anything, watching recruits that he brought there leave on two or three different occasions, watching other recruits get caught up in scandals and have to leave because they couldn't play anymore, I don't think he's a responsible coach. I think he did enough to keep them there. He had money to, like, kind of probably hide a lot of the situations, but he's not responsible. If, if you watch a Georgetown game, He's screaming rebound and pass like that. That's it. You don't see or hear anything else from Patrick. And then they love to put the camera in front of him when they're on the sideline and he's just flipping on the guys on the sideline. It's like, okay, Pat, like we want to hear X's and O's. Like we want to see what you do to make this comeback happen. He had that run that Mike just spoke on when they basically were a low seed in the Big East and won all five or six games to get to the Big East uh, conference uh, tournament championship and won it and got to the tournament and week one or game one, they played Colorado and lost by 30, like lost by 30. As soon as you got to the dance, Georgetown lost by 30. Um, I'm wondering what coach they do bring in there. And the one guy that they said is looking for a job inter- interests me a lot with Rick Patino, but I know they'll go another way to get somebody that they're trying to get somebody as a startup kit coach. But I would love to see a guy like Rick Patino get that going at least for the next two to four years, because Rick Pitino's getting older too. But um, just but, a name like that would have me. You hit on something. I agree. I agree with you. I think. I think at this point, you need a guy like you said, even for a short short period of time, that has won before and has rebuilt programs because this program really needs rebuilding. And in that Big East, 
you look it up at a lot of programs, and if you bring an upstart coach in there, uh, that might be a monster that they're not ready to tackle. I, I agree, and that's why I'm like, let Rick Pitino do it. You gotta got a guy that knows about culture. And that one thing I do love about Rick Pitino was the old school Rick Pitino preached the press, and he got it done in the front court as best as he could to make sure that you guys couldn't cross half court. And not to say that this is the Kentucky Wildcats team that he had when he was going crazy, but just to get that stirred and turned around in Georgetown and have somebody sit underneath him and learn that way as well as the Georgetown way and kind of get that feel back and the Hoya paranoia, I would love to see that. But this is me at least wishful thinking for a coach on the fly to come help the situation in Georgetown because, to be honest, I feel like Patrick Ewan has left this thing in a mess. Even the uh, the pressure that he had when they lost the game, the Villanova round one, they lost by 32 points. They lost by 32 in the garden. And he, the way he was responding, he sound beaten, and he knew he lost the job, but he, he said, I'd be honored to come back. So, you know, he had to say the right thing before leaving, but he knew doggone well that he was out of there. And um, I'm not about seeing people lose their job or be unemployed because I know what it's like. I know what it's like. But Patrick did so much of a horrible job. It was like, I'm glad to say parted ways, even though he does end up losing the job. But at least it sounds like kinder. Some, somehow, some way it sounds better because he did such a horrible job with Georgetown and, and, and made it a laughing stock For the streak that they won, they lost like over 20-some-odd games in a row in conference play. That is not – they couldn't even beat DePaul. Like, DePaul has been bad historically. They couldn't even beat DePaul. Like, so – and I don't I don't see what NBA lineage he brought other than himself for him being 7-2 and playing and holding up the city of New York and playing against Michael Jordan and so on and so forth. I don't, I don't see any change happening in Georgetown. So, we got our work cut out for us. Okay. So, today is bracket day. I'm going to get through a lot of these scores. We do still have some games to take place as of today as well, so they can close out the situation. Um, in the AAC Conference semifinal, Cincinnati loses big up against Houston. Houston may be the overall number one seed, 69-48. to 48. Um, In the, the Pac-12 final, excuse me, Arizona wins their matchup by a bucket, 61-59, nail-biter type of game. The next matchup we have is Texas. Uh, they win this game up against Kansas in the Big 12 final, Stunner, and they won by blowout, 76-56. to 56. Um, I'll stop a little bit right here. Um, the crazy part about this is, personally, and I hate to keep saying personally and analytically, but I have to, I'm not a Bill Self guy. Just, just because of, like, you know, the competitive nature of me and, and, like, watching Bill Self go from the Big Ten trying to make it happen, couldn't make it happen, and he gets to the, the uh, Big 12, and gets his first championship, and then he won one last year. But it, looked, it took him so much time to get these championships, and he's he's so good of a coach. I can't take it away from him because he is a good coach. He gets all of the All-Americans that he needs at every position and continue to fall short, but he did get it done on two different occasions with Kansas, and last year was the most recent. But they are still sitting atop the pile. But for them to lose this game this big up against Texas is question marks around me this year that I don't think Kansas is a team that will get to at least the Elite Eight. I think they can push to get to the Sweet 16, but I wouldn't be stunned if they got knocked off before it. Um, the next one I have, another potential uh, one seed. Uh, Alabama wins their matchup against Missouri. Um, it was a big score difference early, but they did close it up to 11. The score was 72-61. to 61. 
the guy to watch. And this one in the semifinal was Brandon Miller. He's starting to get warmer. I don't want to say hot yet. He was 20, uh, 20 points and 12 rebounds. He went 8 for 11 shooting from the floor. Uh, the one thing about Brandon Miller is, and I just want this to kind of go away, but it won't. It'll be around him until probably his first or second season in the NBA. But with all of the allegations that's going on down in Alabama with him and another student at Alabama, I, I wish it would go away, but it's, it's not going to go away until he's probably out of college and kind of, you know, making a name for himself in the league. But these guys, he's must-watch TV, to say the least. Um, the next matchup I have is Purdue uh, beating Ohio State. This is the first time Ohio State has finished under 500 since 2003-2004 season. Um, Purdue wins this matchup 80-66. to 66. Um, I know I'm going to, like, jinx myself because I want this guy on my uh, – <laughs> On my team in the NBA, you guys know I'm a Thunder fan, but Zach Eady is the guy I want out of college right now. I don't know if he'll be available. I don't know if the Thunder are going to keep their eyes on him because we need a big. This guy goes off for 32 points and 14 rebounds. If this guy is not dominating on a Canadian version of Shaquille O'Neal, I don't know what is. They can't stop him. This boy is 7-4, can use both hands. He's a dunker, He can, and he has touch. He can shoot free throws. I want him. <laughs> please, Oklahoma City, please get him this good. He's a stud. He is a stud at 7-4, and he's mobile. You don't really get all of this in one. A lot of people are screaming about Victor Wimbeyan, but this guy is a unicorn himself from Canada. But if you have not seen him play, please, you must watch TV. But it, it, it's bad because he's on Purdue. People, people don't watch or give Purdue credit, but this could be a year where they can make an interesting run. I think there'll be a one seed also. Um in the Big East final, Marquette wins their matchup against Xavier, 65-51. to 51. Marquette pulls this one off. Uh, an incredible run on the end of the season, too, at that. Uh, Marquette kept it interesting, to say the least, uh, in this one. The next one we have, Duke wins their – and it, this is funny. They win the ACC tournament up against Virginia, 59-49. to John Shire's first season there as a head coach after Coach K, and they get a, a conference championship – now, so Shire's run starts with at least a championship for the Duke Blue Devil team. Uh, let's see how far they go. Um, the next one I have is Texas A&M winning their matchup against Vanderbilt, 87-75. to 75. Uh, This is in the semifinal. Uh, Texas A&M is a team that you got to worry about, at least for me. I, I think that they're sturdy enough to get into the tournament and do some danger. I think they are a potential Sweet 16 team. Um, upset of the day for me. Uh, Penn State wins their matchup up against Indiana, 77-73, in which I am a fan of Tracy Jackson Davis. If you don't know who he is, that is Dale Davis' son. He went off for 24 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, and in a winning effort, uh, Pickett has a 28-point night and 8 rebounds up against Tracy Jackson. So this is is, – or Jackson Davis, excuse me, let me say it correctly – a stunner, at least for me, for Penn State to advance – to the Big Ten final, and I think this is something that win or lose in the Big Ten final, I think Penn State may have uh, kept their bubble right, and they may get into the dance. I wonder how the committee handles it. And last but not least, uh, in the Mountain West Championship, the final, San Diego State wins their matchup and getting their ticket punched up against Utah State, winning this one 62-57. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the games for yesterday? We still have a few. It, it'll be a low amount of games today. Um, that we have going into the dangers of March Madness. 
Well, I, first of all, I'm impressed with Penn State. Uh, you mentioned them. Uh, they have uh, haven't really been a perennial tournament team at all uh, coming out of the Big Ten. So for them to make the finals, uh, nice for them. I think that sets up nice for Purdue because they've been swept by Indiana this year. I think a, uh, a Big Ten tournament win today locks up a number one seed for them. They may be a number one seed anyway, but that would definitely lock up a number one seed for them. I agree with you on Houston being number one, maybe the overall number one. Uh, Alabama looks pretty good to me right now. You know, there's a lot of people saying they're not going to make it past first round, second round, or whatever. Uh, but they look pretty good to me right now. The only team to beat them recently was Texas A&M, though, so that's going to be an interesting final today. Uh, you know, some people had Texas A&M kind of on the bubble going into this tournament. Uh, but I think Texas A&M being able to get to the finals, uh, I think they've removed all doubt. I agree with you. I think that that team can do some damage in the tournament and be a potential Sweet 16 team. You know, uh, Vanderbilt knocked off Kentucky in the quarterfinals uh, the day before. I think Kentucky still makes it, but that's a team that uh, I'm not really that impressed by this year, uh, though they have played a little bit better down the stretch. And Tennessee, another one, the Rick Barnes coach team, speaking of former Texas coach, you know, they lost to Missouri in the quarterfinals. Uh, Missouri has actually been much better than I expected them to be uh, in the SEC this season. Uh, To your point, that was an impressive win by Texas. You know, Texas lost their coach. Uh, they're going with an interim coach right now. Uh, but for them to win by 20 uh, over Kansas, that's impressive for them. Uh, Texas is a team that seems to always have talent and come up a little bit short. I'm curious to see if that team is good enough to to make a final four run, whatever that's going to be in their state this year. So, um you know, Houston, if, if they can make it to the Final Four, that'll be in their hometown. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out. Uh, but like you said, a couple of finals today. And then, uh, you know, we, we mentioned it as we came on the air in the Pac-12. I felt like if UCLA had won the tournament, they might have been a number one seed. I'm not sure with them coming up short against Arizona and losing two out of three to them this year. Uh, they might have fallen to the number two seed line with that today. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm not real sure who that fourth number one seed would be, though, to be quite honest with you. Um, I'm kind of going through it in my head to try to figure it out. So, um, But you're right. I mean, the brackets come out today. It's going to be really interesting to see how things fall. But it's definitely, it's definitely madness in these, college, in these conference tournaments this weekend. Sports City welcoming in Mr. Knight Chandler. Welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? I'm tired. Okay, well, I want to wake you up right now. I'm going to wake you up right now to get you started before I jump into this this college frenzy. Your thoughts on your Jets, Rodgers, or Buck? I told you before, I thought it was stupid. I still think it's stupid. It's typical Jets. You're going to get maybe maybe two seasons out of Rodgers, more than likely one. Well, let's say you get two. Then you got to blow it all up again just so what? You can win the AFC East? You're not winning the championship with Aaron Rodgers. 
You're not winning a championship with Aaron Rodgers. Period. End of story. Yep. This is a dude Mike. who was in a division made for him to win, mm-hmm. and he couldn't beat. He couldn't win a championship in in in, in the NFC with flawless competition to get to the NFC championship game. But you telling me he's gonna come to the Jets and they're gonna do what? Okay, they win the AFC East, and then what? So you're gonna mortgage your future because you're gonna have to give up picks. You're gonna have to cut people, restructure contracts, so you can get him there, so he could play one to two seasons, and then you're still going to need a quarterback. When the smart thing to do, in my opinion, would have been to go get Lamar Jackson and be a perennial championship contender for the next seven to ten years. But typical Jets, let's go for the nice, bright, shiny toy. Mike, does that sound like somebody did a few minutes ago? Yes or no? Mike, does that sound like somebody did a few minutes ago? Sounds exactly like what we said earlier, for, for sure. Mortgage in the future and, and, and being smart and trying to, yeah, it, for sure. And, and, and we both said he, he coughed it up in Green Bay. And, yeah, I, that definitely sounds exactly like what we were saying earlier, for sure. I just had to get your take on that. Um, Chandler, your thoughts on the frenzy so far with March Madness, uh, the the games that I mentioned, and there's three games at least uh, that take stage. Uh, Texas A&M versus Alabama, that's the game that Mike was talking about took place earlier. Texas A&M stunned Alabama down there in Texas. Uh, Memphis is playing Houston. I think Houston is going to roll on Memphis unless Penny Hardaway has a trick up his sleeve. And last but not least, like we mentioned before, Penn State takes on Purdue. Um, I think Purdue wins this one uh, pretty easily. I don't know if they blow them out, but I think they should be able to take your business. If Purdue loses this game, I think that they'll fall from a one seed to a potential two seed in uh, the dance uh, coming up. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it that closely because I'm in house hunting. So, um, I, I do like Tracy uh, – Jackson Davis, I think that kid is highly underrated and had a great, great, not just season, but career in Indiana. Um, I think Alabama does win. Purdue, even win or lose, I think Purdue gets a one. But I don't think, honestly, I don't think it matters who gets the one seeds because there's no one seed that's unbeatable. Tell, tell me, tell me the team that you say no matter what that you think is going to make it a final. There isn't one. Everybody can beat everybody this season. That's the one thing about this season that I've liked is there's no dominant team. Hell, I, I, we could easily see a 12 seed win a championship. We could see a 15 seed win a championship. It's that close in terms of talent. But yeah, the, the, the game today should go chalk, but. I think Purdue's a one no matter what, but I don't think, honestly, I don't think they go far in this tournament because, you know, it's Purdue, and I'm never going to trust Purdue. Yeah. Alabama's an interesting case for me because, now, listen, if Purdue does go, I'd be happy to see it because I like to see teams that haven't really been successful be successful. Alabama's the one for me. It's been a long time since we've seen an Alabama squad that was that was actually good and had a chance to really go deep. I mean, we going back 
I wouldn't even count the my reported ones. I'd go back to to the to the to the, uh, to the Springwell Alabamas, you know, before before I say they had a squad that was really, you know, a true championship contender. But I I like the fact that this season is so wide open. Um, that's the thing about it I like is the fact that it's so wide open that literally anybody of the 60, 64 teams, I'm not saying the 64 teams, can actually win the championship. And I don't think we've ever been able to say that. I agree. There's a ton of parity across the board. Um, and I also agree with you, too, with Purdue. As much as I'm, I love how Zach Eady plays ball, and just like you said it, too, Purdue is Purdue. It's something about them that they will fall short Sweet 16 Elite Eight. It's always something like that. Purdue plays good, and if somebody figures out their Rubik's Cube and gets them out of there, that's the one thing that has bothered me about Purdue when they are stout. I can remember the big dog days when Glenn Robinson was there, and he putting up 50 on Kansas, and Oda tagging them couldn't deal with him, but they ended up falling short, and he made a name for himself, but Purdue always would – something would happen. Um, the one one seed that I think can actually baffle a lot of people, but just like you said, they are beatable – is Houston. I think Houston has played consistent throughout the season, and um, I think they can make it difficult. But, again, just like you said, everybody's beatable, and the parity is across the board. And I don't think anybody's scared of anybody. Forget where you're seated, how many times you lost You lost this year. Nobody's undefeated. Nobody's the Kentucky Wildcats of 96 or 98, so on and so forth. So uh, this this is that frenzy that I could not wait for. I, I love basketball to death. And then and, um, – this is what it's all about, especially the buzzer beaters. <laughs> if you think it's a good game and um, you hit a free throw and it's like three seconds on the clock, you better play defense. Do not touch anybody, but stay in front of your man. Don't easily let him get the shot off. Contest it. Contest it because these buzzer beaters are happening. And I'm watching people go through heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. I'm glad I got you two here, though. Um I did want to get in the NBA, but I don't know if I will. But I want to see how you guys feel about spring training right now, baseball-wise. I want you to talk about your respective organizations if you'd like. I'll start with you first, Mike. Your thoughts on at least spring training in the MLB, your Braves, their outlook on the future, and I'll go to Chandler with his team out here in New York, and uh, I'll try to get to the NBA as best as I can to close up. So spring training is interesting. Chandler and I broke down the – Rule changes this past week and how we don't necessarily like them, but we like what maybe they're going to create as far as more action on the base pass and all that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. In Atlanta, there were very few jobs to be won this year. Uh, they're set behind the plate with Murphy and Darno, Olsen at first, Ozzie Albies at second, Austin Riley at third. The shortstop position's up for grabs. It looks like it's going to be Vaughn Grissom's to lose. He came up uh, late last year when Ozzie got hurt. Uh, you do have Orlando Arcia and Braden Shoemake, who probably would have come up instead of Grissom last year, but he got hurt like two days before uh, they needed a, a shortstop, a second baseman. So I think this is Grissom's job to lose, and he could be a 2020 guy. The other, you got Michael Harris in center field, who burst on the scene last year, and Acuna in right field. Uh, still some competition for that left field spot. Uh, you know, Eddie Rosario's on that team, and they really like him. Marcelo Zuna's still in camp, who's probably going to be the DH. But they also brought in a couple of veterans um, who, if they don't end up being the starting left fielder, at least one of these guys is going to make the roster. Uh, they got Sam Hilliard, who spent time in Colorado. They got Kevin Pillar, 
uh, who spent time in Tampa and maybe Toronto before he went to Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. And then they also got a guy, Eli White, who was, was with the A's and traded to the uh, Rangers. Uh, he really hasn't done a whole lot at the major league level yet, but there are some people that like his skill set and say he's got uh, he's got some speed and he's uh, really been working on his swing. So uh, those are the guys kind of in contention for that left field job. It's kind of Eddie Rosario's to lose. No, right now he's playing for Team Puerto Rico uh, in that World Baseball Classic. Uh, their f- starting four guys are set with Freed, uh, Strider, Morton, and Kyle Wright. Competition for this fifth spot between Ian Anderson and Michael Soroka. Soroka is just now really kind of starting around back into shape. That guy was really good before he got hurt a couple years ago. Uh, was being talked about as a potential ace uh, for this staff. So we'll see if he can kind of piece it back together. Anderson had one bad start and has been pretty good since. You also got a couple other guys like Kobe Allard, who had been with the Rangers, and uh, Bryce Elder, who pitched a little bit for them last year. So you got a couple other different guys kind of in contention for that fifth spot. But as you guys know, over the course of the season, you don't just pick five and go with them. So, uh, it's good to have some depth there. I was a little sad to see them trade William Contreras to Milwaukee, but they really believe that Sean Murphy has all the tools as far as defensively as well. So I understand uh, why they made the move. They got most of their bullpen arm set. Iglesias is the closer who they got from the Angels late last year. Uh, Nick Anderson and Joel Jimenez. Nick Anderson appears to finally be healthy and back. So uh, I think they're going to be set in the bullpen. It's just shortstop and left field, uh, but I think it'll be Grissom and Rosario. And then uh, at least one or two of those other guys will make it as extra outfielders. Um, just around the – in general, though, uh, I know, you know, your team, uh, TP, they haven't been playing their veterans, so we'll see if they round in the shape. But just looking around the league, there's some uh, interesting stories. Can the Phillies keep their head above water until they get Bryce Hopper back midway through the season? Uh, they better not start slow. Uh, and then just the the other int- real interesting story to me is what the Dodgers are going to do. They lost their shortstop in the spring. They got a guy like Jason Hayward back who's been hitting leadoff for him in spring training. Can he uh, revamp his swing and, and salvage a little bit more time on his career? So what happens there? And then we also talked a lot about San Diego. And uh, and their horses, and so where does Tatis fit into that after his 20 game suspension? It'll be really interesting to see where that uh, where that lands. So, those are my thoughts right now on spring training. Chandler, your thoughts on your boys and the outlook of what it looks like going into the month of April pretty soon. Um, I'm as usual not impressed with what Ryan Cashman is doing. You got Jason Dominguez, who should be your starting center fielder, with the injury to Harrison Bader, which we could have seen that coming because Harrison Bader on the stage injured. Um, he's he's one of those guys with uh, he, he's just having some unfortunate luck with injuries. He's a really good player, but he can't stay healthy. Um, Jason Dominguez has proven that he's ready to be a major league player, but Brian Cashman is so insistent on proving that he wasn't a clown for giving Aaron Hicks that contract that Jason Dominguez is not going to get to the majors this season. Oh, he's only 20. 
don't care how old he is, he's ready. Okay, he's ready. All you have to do is watch his swing, watch him control the zone. Um, so he should be starting this season. Oswald Perales should be starting shortstop. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be Volpe, and Volpe is a second baseman. You're not a shortstop. Peraza is the better shortstop. I keep hearing people want to compare Volpe to Jeter defensively. So you're telling me he's an average defensive shortstop because Jeter was an average defensively a shortstop. Oswald Peraza should be the starting shortstop. He won't be. Um, it's going to be Volpe, and we'll see how that works out. You know, everybody's killing Mont- the Montes trip. Listen, I like Frankie Montes. I think Frankie Montes is going to be a really good pitcher. May not be for the Yankees. That was a bad and a stupid trade when you could have gotten Luis Castillo. So instead, you traded for a guy who's hurt, who's not hurt again. Rodon is hurt. Nestor Cortez is hurt. So, and I don't have a problem with Domingo Ramon. Uh, Ty, you know that. I've always, you know, He's grown up. Listen, he did what he did. He paid the penance for it. He has kept his nose clean. I've always thought he was a good pitcher. So I like him. I think Frank Smith is going to be an adequate number five starter. But you depleted your depth in trading for Montas. And, you know, now you're stuck with a team that – this is a team that's good enough to win 90-plus games and lose in the ALCS. So what's the difference between last year and this year? I really don't see one. Unless you're willing to – the difference to me is if you bring up Dominguez, I think you win the World Series. He is that good. That kid is that talented. He is a Miguel Cabrera-type difference maker with that bat. I'm telling you that right now. He is a Miguel Cabrera-type difference maker with that bat. And he's a switcher. And he's a 5-2 player. And he's a kind of four And he can run like the wind. But, you know – Far be it for me, who's told you thousands of times over the years about bad trades and been right. But I think overall, um, with the Mets, I think it's unfortunate that Ronnie Mauricio, uh, Brett Bailey, and Mark Vientos won't be able to play for the Mets. I think the Mets fans would have loved them. But those guys are all going to wind up being traded because there's no, there's no room for them. Their positions are taken for the next seven years. <laughs> Their positions are taken. Vientos really doesn't have a position at best. He's a DH. Um, Bailey, they say he's a third baseman. Really, he's, he, he, to me, he projects more as a first baseman, and we already got a first baseman in, in uh, Pete Alonzo. And Mauricio, well, he can't play second or short because you got McNeil and Lindor. But I think the Mets are going to be really good this year. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with their pitching staff because they're starting to deal with some injuries. But I like what they've done. I like what Steve Cohen is doing. And just the American League East in general, just watch out for the Orioles. This, uh, Mike and I talked about it. This could be a really good or really a kind of a step back season for them. Probably a step back, but if they do take a step forward, the Orioles could be really dangerous. But I kind of like what I'm seeing across the board this spring training. I'm seeing some teams whose plans are finally starting to come together. We got Seattle on the come, Texas. Listen, you make that. You you talk about Jacob Degrom who you want. Bruce Bochy is the manager. Let's not forget what Bruce Bochy did in San Francisco, okay? Let's not forget how pitchers came to San Francisco when he was there, and guys said they were done, and they weren't done. So be on the lookout for Texas. But overall, I think it's been a really good spring training. I like what I'm seeing from some teams, even the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. 
And on my behalf, I'm interested that Mike has been watching the Twins. It's actually making me, like, scratch my head. I want to say other words, but I have to be patient. I have to kind of let this thing simmer. They are not playing a lot of the the big-name players. They are playing a lot of, you know, the bench players or the farm system players and letting them kind of get their shine on. And the Twins have actually been successful at doing so. But I want to see what Buxton looks like. And I know that they're trying their best to keep this guy in, like, a – a bubble wrap situation in this spring training. I want to see Kepler swing the bat because Kepler's been the one that's been in front of trade talk, but he's one of my favorites on the team. And it's like, he's a left-handed hacker, but um, he hasn't been looking good at least in the past season and a half or so, but I want to see him make a difference. Correa is the one that I'm watching the closest because of, you know, all of the disarray that he went through with all of the physicals that he wasn't able to pass. But for some odd reason, Minnesota is letting him do his thing in Minnesota and some of the doctors said that this is the worst ankle that they've ever seen. So it's like I'm just hoping that he could stay healthy, just stay on the roster and do his thing. But the one person on this roster that has been making eyebrows raise and been to talk is Jose Miranda. If you've not heard about him or heard him play, seen him play, so on and so forth, please check for him. This guy is a stud. <clears throat> he was a notable fill-in. For the Twins in this past season, I think he's a mainstay within that roster. This guy swings the heck out of the bat. Uh, he has home run power. He can run, and um, he can play all around the field, but he's more of an outfielder. They do have the questions. The Twins have actually been bumping into some injuries as well. Nick Gordon got hurt as well, one of our speedsters, but we got a ton of speed in the outfield now, so I think that Rocco's done his best job on trying to figure out the pieces out there while these outfielders do get injured here or there. The one other person that I'm watching closely is Hente Maeda. Um, after the Tommy John surgery, I'm just hoping that he can come up there and have impressive starts and get wins. But we don't know what it's going to look like throughout the duration of a season. And plus, he is actually older now, too. So hopefully Maeda can bring that, that funk for us because we need it. And uh, Joe Ryan, hopefully he can start the way he did last year. Uh, once he got COVID, it kind of fell apart from him. But he still was a stud up there on the bump. Uh, hopefully he can actually do his thing with this organization. Of course, the AL Central, to me, is up for grabs. <clears throat> I think the team that we more or less do have to worry about is the uh, White Sox. I think the hidden gem within the uh, the division could be the Tigers because the Tigers do have some stuff that have come in there. Um, the Royals have always made it tough, but I, I don't think that they'll be one of those World Series runs that they had in the early 2010s where you still have to go into uh, Missouri and try to beat them at all else. And, of course, the Indians won, or excuse me, I apologize, the Guardians had won the division last year, so they are the team to beat. But I think they are, like uh, we mentioned before, they're a beatable team, uh, to say the least. But they still have that offense there. That offense is still stout as well. But I feel like teams are going to have to up-jump their game and uh, try to catch them within at least the division or for the AL Central. That, that's just how I feel. I think the Twins will be in the fray. Uh, I've seen uh, situations across the board. They think the Twins could finish as high as second place in the AL Central. I'm, I'm hoping that they could win as usual. I'm, I'm a diehard, so I want to see them do well. They have the potential, but the one thing that I didn't see, uh, you know, Derek focus on, and that being the, the GM, was trying to, you know, worry about this rotation, and hopefully we have a stout rotation. We got rid of some pitchers too, so Hopefully these are the guys to go with, and, and I want to see at least the majority of them get over 17 wins in the season, but I was wishful thinking. If they can, that will be great. So, um, Anything else before we do get away from it, fellas? 
No, I, I think it was interesting that uh, behind David Peralta, Venezuela beat the Dominican Republic yesterday in the World Baseball Classic because that one pool right there is real interesting with two teams coming out of each pool and you got Venezuela, Puerto Rico, and the Dominican Republic all in that one pool. And that pool is going to match up against whoever comes out of USA, Canada, Mexico, Great Britain, and those guys. So I, I think that uh, that was a big win for Venezuela yesterday off jump uh, to beat the, the DR in the first round of the World Baseball Classic. I did. Um, I want to say one thing about the Tigers since you brought them up. If you're a baseball fan or if you're a Tigers fan, you're going to want to watch, especially if you're a baseball fan, you're going to want to watch as many Tigers games as you can. Uh, Kirk Gibson's health situation is getting worse. You can see it, you can hear it now. So I don't know how much longer we're going to have him doing baseball. He's a wealth of baseball knowledge, one of the greatest players in baseball history. So any chance you get, watch the Tigers games and listen to Kirk Gibson. We don't know how much longer we're going to have him being able to do baseball. And Chandler, you mentioned the Pirates a second ago. Uh, to me, a guy to really watch in Pittsburgh, it's crazy we talk about the Pirates too, but um, O'Neal Cruz, biggest shortstop ever, is 6'7", uh, play in the position. Looks like he can play it. Uh, he does have some power behind his bat. So uh, O'Neal Cruz is an interesting cat to watch in Pittsburgh. Okay, um, I, I definitely got to see him play. I did not see the six seven shortstop. This is amazing if he's handling this. You're right. I have not watched Pittsburgh play at least in the spring training. So you're gonna make me YouTube this after we finish this situation. Um, rightfully so. I want to jump into the NBA quickly before we do get out of here. Um, limited time left. Um, I want to tell you guys feel East and the Western Conference. Uh, I'm going to come to you first on this one, Chandler. Your thoughts, I'm going to keep it in your, I'm going to give everybody the respective conferences. Chandler, your thoughts about your Knicks right now in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks are making this thing interesting, to say the least bit, approaching the month of April. Um, they've been running there. I mean, they lost a the game themselves. But um, everybody was picking on Thibodeau. They wanted to get him out of there, fired. Get him rid of him. He's not playing Cam Reddish. Uh, Obi Top is not playing. They're winning. And everything that I don't think a lot of teams want to bump into right now, uh, your your thoughts on the Eastern Conference, the Knicks, so on and so forth. Oh, you mean the Knicks that have lost three straight games? Those Knicks, the Knicks that suddenly now that, that people are expecting them to do things are suddenly failing to do things because Jalen, uh, because Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett aren't leading men without Jalen Brunson. Those Knicks, Knicks are gonna win the Eastern Conference. Knicks, they were a five or a six seed, as I said. And if that's good enough for Knicks fans, then, you know, hell fall to fully grace. Um, the Eastern Conference is interesting in, in the fact that Boston should be the best team. They're going through a little lull. Now, suddenly Philly is surging, but we all know we can't trust Philly because we know what Doc has done with three one leads in the playoffs. We know how we know Doc's failures, even though people don't like to talk about him. Doc has failed far more often with really good teams than he's won with really good teams. And we all know that James Harden has failed in the playoffs far more than he's been successful. And has so and so has Joel Embiid, for that matter. Let's not forget if Joel Embiid had actually taken over that series against Atlanta like he should have 
It never would have came down to Ben Simmons having to not take a layup. But nobody wants to talk about that. Let's just keep talking about Ben Simmons. We ain't going to talk about what Joel Embiid didn't do in that series. Um, Milwaukee is Milwaukee. Um, for some reason, even though Milwaukee won the championship, I just don't trust Milwaukee because you don't know on a nightly basis who's healthy. Is Middleton there? Is Middleton gone? Is Holiday there? Is Holiday gone? And if, if Giannis doesn't have both of them, Milwaukee is beatable. They are eminently beatable with just Middleton or just Holiday. They need them both, and they're both, like I said, they're both, they're both, they're both injury prone. So the East is interesting. I think some of the better, I think the best races are around the five, six, seven. Eight slots where you got these teams. I mean, we got the Indianas, we we got Knicks, you got the Nets who are still in there. By the way, by the, technically the Nets are the fifth seed right now. For all of the of the uh, the vitriol and the, the lampooning of the Nets, all that team has done is play hard and play well and fight. Um, they've actually looked more like more of a team than at any time during the Kyrie Harden. KD, uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Halcyon days. Um, I like this team. I like the Nets. Boy, look at Mikael Bridges. People want who knew? We knew. We knew Mikael Bridges was good. That's why we said Phoenix, what are you doing when they traded him? We knew. Um, listen, I like that Nets squad. I like what John Paul is doing. But the East is really the top three teams, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly. Everybody else is just basically there to be cannon fodder, as far as I'm concerned. Interesting, man. I, I, I thought I feel you believe in your Knicks right now. At least I feel like they're coming, and they, they're a team that they don't want to play at full strength. But I agree the East is wide open, but I think the team that beat is Milwaukee right now. I don't know if Boston could put it together like they did last season. They had a strong start to the season. They are in the fray, but I, I don't feel like Boston is as strong as they were last season. I want to see if they could turn it around. Philadelphia proved to me, proved to me that you got to get over the hump and get to the Eastern Conference Finals and finish. Finish. You got Harden and you got Embiid as well as Maxi and Tobias Harris. When do you start to feel your role? When do you actually become comfortable in this role instead of just being the nine-point Ron Harper of the the, the lineup? That, that's how I feel. So, Philly, you're going to have to get this done because if you guys fall short of the Eastern Conference Finals, Glenn, Doc Rivers will be gone. At least that's how I feel. I don't think he'll be a coach any longer in Philadelphia if he doesn't get this talented team at least to a, a good promising finish for the season. Um, Mike, your thoughts on the Western Conference? Your Lakers are slowly turning this thing around. They are actually a playing team at this point in time. Yeah, I mean – They've won games they were supposed to win. You know, it's going to be real interesting as this uh, schedule continues to unfold because can they continue to beat the teams they're supposed to and win a couple they're not? You know, we've talked about everybody packed in so tight um, in the West that if you can go on a streak, you've got a chance to, you know, improve your seating. A week ago, they were on the outside looking in. Um so they, they've at least gotten to the play-in, you know, portion. We'll see if they can continue to climb a little bit. Like I said, I, I like the roster better than I did pre-deadline. Uh, but, 
once again, this team is contingent on Anthony Davis staying healthy. Even if LeBron somehow can get back, and I'm not sure that he will, uh, this team is contingent on Anthony Davis staying healthy. And I feel like, uh, you know, that <laughs> that's never really happened. So we'll see if he can at least stay healthy down the stretch run. Um, but this team is going to go as far as as he can take them. But, you know, they they have a few other shooters now, and they have a few other pieces on that roster to try to make some things happen. But he has to be on the court. He has to be available and play at a high level for this team to uh, play well at all. Uh, I think that – I believe they're going to at least make the play in. Can they get a little higher than that? It's possible uh, because you can look at every team in that West and, and, and find flaws in them just like you can in that Lakers team. Uh, but I expect them to probably end up landing around the play-in uh, portion somewhere in that 7 to 10 range. Um, the West is really, really wide open, uh, you know, with everything going on with Jai, Memphis, you kind of really worry about them. Uh, Denver's never been able to get it done come uh, postseason. Uh, uh, you got KD missing a little time again in Phoenix. Uh, Dallas still trying to figure out how to put it together. Clippers sort of underachieving. Uh, listen, what can Sacramento do uh, in this in this Western Conference? Uh, we'll see. But I feel like, you know, what they say, the wild, wild west, it really is wild. I think it can be had by about anybody, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that unfolds, uh, you know, to, to use words from uh, Tara Owens back in the day, get your popcorn ready because it's definitely going to be a show. Uh, it's definitely going to be worth watching, and we really don't know what's going to happen. Whereas in, in a lot of previous years, I feel like you have one or two teams and you said, okay, it's these guys' is, uh, division or conference to lose, and everybody's kind of chasing those big dogs, you know what I mean? And I don't really think uh, that's the case in the West this year. I, I feel like the number one seed could be susceptible to even getting beat in the first or second round. So uh, it's going to be wild in the Western Conference this year, and I think it's going to be very entertaining. Is this Denver's year? That is the one thing that I'm worried about. Denver's actually been playing well. Um, Jokic is on a tear to get the MVP again. I think there are names that have popped up in there. I think uh, Tatum has actually played stronger, but Boston is up and down. I think Giannis has slowly crept up in the conversation also. Uh, This makes this pretty interesting, to say the least bit. But in the Western Conference, the Lakers are trying to make this a, a competitive season, at least to make it look good for LeBron's season of him catching Kareem. I think they will stay at least in the playing situation as strong as they're playing without LeBron. Um, it's kind of like setting the cards for them to stay here unless they just have a funk out of nowhere and just start playing lousy, which I doubt will happen. Um, one of the teams that I wanted to just throw out there quickly, I was approached today, I mean yesterday, excuse me, I was approached yesterday, last evening. Someone said, watch out for the Clippers and them winning the West. And I'm like, okay, they have so much disarray there that I don't believe you, not one bit, but they said that how they're patchworking the low management, so on and so forth, is how they could still attack the West. So And they can beat the Nuggets. They can beat the Lakers. They can beat a lot of the notable teams. But I'm like, can Tyron Lue get them to stay as a cohesive unit to win the West? 
I don't know. I do want to see it happen, and I don't care how long this goes on. I'm going to continue to put so much pressure on Paul George to be consistent as we approach the month of April because he calls himself Playoff P. People call him Pandemic P, so on and so forth. Just show up PG. That's it, period. And show how far that you can help carry this team with Kawhi because the two of you should be powerhouses. And uh, instead, this is a situation where you guys run into a Dallas and go seven games, and then you're tired. So that's the one thing I'm looking at in the Western Conference. Another thing, too, is can Golden State repeat? I don't think so. But they're going to be an interesting out, whoever they have their hands full with. And John Morant, um, I'm, I'm hoping they reinstate you probably in the next two weeks or so. I don't know how long they're going to keep you out, but I know they're going to play this game with you, but I know that you won't play with your phone camera anymore. That is for sure. Um, okay, so we are at the tail end of the show. I need plugs to close out from the two of you. I'll start with you first, Mr. Knight. Give me a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you'd like to promote as we shut the doors here at the brunch. Um, I agree with you on the Clippers. I don't trust Ty Lue. To do to get that team playing and, and prostitute P or whatever the heck he's calling himself. Yeah, I don't trust him. Oh either. my god! Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> IG IGP whatever you want to call it. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah, shots fired. That's right, shots fired. <laughs> from uh, my guy that was going to uh, do it with me because he was in the process of a move this weekend. So I'm waiting to see which one of those two nights. And I should get an answer today, and I'll let you know, Taylor. Okay. Well, since they got things going on and ain't worried about what I'm going to say, we'll let these two tell it. Mike, I need a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you'd like to promote. Why this dude tries to steal my coach? He's trying to talk about Rick Pitino, keeping it in his pants. Well, Rick Patina was messing with a lady. Her last name was Powell. So you owe me one, Rick. I need you in D.C. Don't listen to him. And don't ever, don't you ever let Chandler say that Patrick Ewan is going to get a coaching job. He will not get a coaching job nowhere anytime soon. Probably on upstart 
kids or, um, I don't know, middle school maybe, high school. It might work in high school. He might go to Massachusetts, go back to his respected high school. He's not a college coach. He's not an NBA coach. I will not let Chandler do this. I won't. I won't. And he just said something about me. Oh, heck nah. And the, and the, the, the Paul George reference, Chandler's out of his head. Okay, so, Mike, I need a plug, close out, shout out. Anything that you'd like to promote, <laughs> we shut it down here at this point. Real quick, shout out. Check out SportsCityChefs.com. Uh, don't forget PHI Apparel. They got original designs. Make you stand out in the crowd. PHIapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEFS at checkout for 15% off. Uh, we got shows throughout the week. We got the Sunday, time of Sunday morning brunch and mothership. I'm always happy to be here with him on Wednesday nights. We got the callers cookout. Uh, we're going to put together a show this week and uh, preview uh, NCAA wrestling tournament. I think we're going to do a show on that. Uh, look for Monday or Tuesday night. We got to see what, what's going on on that. Uh, but that'll be all over ESPN this weekend. So I got to give a shout to two guys. There's only been four uh, guys that have won all four years that they've gone to the national tournament, been four-time national champions. We've got a chance to have two more this year, so I'll be interested to see what will happen. I'll update you guys on that next Sunday. Um, but as always, man, a pleasure and a privilege. Don't forget about the barbershop on Clubhouse. We have some spaces and rooms available uh, over there from time to time as well, so come check us out. Be part of the barbershop family on Clubhouse as well. Uh, but until next time, man, as you say in Louisiana, laissez-les-bon-temps-roulés. I don't know what else to say. He said majority of everything that we got going on. Um, I'm going to try and get in there with them for this uh, tournament uh, bracketology because I know they'll be busting up brackets today, and I'm at the edge of my seat. I can't lie. There was a song in the 80s when I was a kid by Curtis Blow, and he said basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Um, and, and it's the frenzy. Get ready for some of these championship finals today. It's at least three of them that we mentioned. Again, like I said, LeBron is going to be coming back probably in a week and a half. We'll see how that pans out for the Lakers. Can they stay in the fray of this thing? I know everybody has their eyes on a lot of stuff going on, but basketball is at the forefront right now. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Kaboom, Sports City, Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City, Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.